One of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention flags a foodborne illness such as E. coli and spinach. It turns to the Food and Drug Administration's Emergency Management Office to pinpoint the source. Now the agency is also turning to things like geospatial data and soon, you guessed it, machine learning and artificial intelligence to gain new insights into food shipping data. Wayne Gorski is the Director of Program Operations and Coordination at FDA's Office of Emergency Management. He tells Federal News Network's Jory Heckman how these emerging technologies help his office find foodborne outbreaks faster. What we will do is we will work with our response team that specializes in food safety, and they will get volumes and volumes of records, shipping records and bills of lading and things of that nature, get them into a manageable digital form, and then we will start to use that to plot geolocations and and maps. In some cases, they'll want to know distribution patterns. Some cases, they'll want to know where the raw materials are coming from. For example, in 2006, we had a pet food outbreak, which involved melamine being added to a raw ingredient to make it appear to be a higher quality than it really was. Killed thousands, thousands of cats and dogs across the country. With that, we were using the GIS to not only look at where their raw materials were coming from, but also where this manufacturer in the Midwest was distributing over 250 different brands and package sizes of pet food so we could get it off the shelves quickly. Basically, we'll, we'll do a lot of, a lot of spatial representation of uh, product distribution as well as case counts, and we'll look for correlations. How does this fit into FDA's broader mission to usher in what they've been calling a new era of smarter food safety? My office has always been on what we call the post-market side. And post-market surveillance means after it's already in the supply chain, whether it's a drug product, a medical device, or a food. We've just recently, within the last two years, started to work with some of our subject matter experts to do predictive modeling scenarios. What types of environmental conditions could contribute to certain situations? Produce is one of our more challenging areas because when we have an outbreak with raw produce, by the time the outbreak becomes evident, the produce is already on the shelves. It has a fairly short shelf life. And by the time we start to actually do the investigation, a lot of it's gone. In some cases, in some industries, for example, tomatoes, uh, salmonella in tomatoes is usually periodically an, an issue. Farmer A and farmer B will show up at a distribution point. They will dump their tomatoes in the same bin. We have no way of knowing which tomato came from farmer A or farmer B. So we have to do a very broad scenario. What we're doing with the predictive modeling scenario is we're looking at different environmental conditions. Could it be possible that flooding could cause problems during the harvest season, even if it wasn't a significant event? Streams overflowing. We'll look at other possibilities as the subject matter experts come up with the what-if scenarios. And we'll plot them for them, and we'll see what we can come up with. We do that a lot with uh, natural disasters, tornadoes. We can tell you with GIS which firms we should pay attention to. Same thing with hurricanes, just basically on the meteorological data and the location of the actual firm and what they produce. What are some of the next steps or some of the goals that your office or FDA more broadly are looking to meet under this new era of food safety? Well, the program is pretty much driven by the subject matter expertise in the, in, the, in the product center. We just support them. As they come up with different scenarios or different ideas, they'll put in a request to us and we'll work with them. We'll collaborate with them and, and help them with their, their spatial analysis. Some of the areas that we've started to look into, although we haven't implemented yet, are things like uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, something that will help bolster our situational awareness. One of the things that we've always struggled with is capturing historical knowledge. And because of that, we think that if we can get into the field of 
artificial intelligence and um, machine learning, some of that institutional knowledge can be captured and modeled and then used for future events. And you mentioned AI, you mentioned machine learning. Are there any other technologies or tools that you guys are looking at to kind of help bolster together with this GIS, looking at these outbreaks or, you know, looking to mitigate the the threat of these things? Well, one of the things that we've been working with, especially in the seafood safety arena for a couple of years now, is um, real-time monitoring of water quality. Uh, We have a group in our office of seafood safety that actually came up with a program that they call RaftMap, and they will go through waterways trolling a fluorometer behind the boat, and it takes real-time readings, feeds them up to the database through a cellular connection, and all that data is geocoded. And when they come back to the office, they can actually see what the, uh, for example, the nitrate levels were in the water, where they had the boat. They can actually see where the boat went. It drops basically uh, what I would call popcorn samples, where, you know, dots on the map where the boat went. That's one area that we've been working with them now for a couple of years. Do you see any emerging trends in the past couple of years that are new or have added significance that you may not have seen earlier in your career? The use of GIS in general has really just ballooned in our agency. Uh, A big contributing factor to that was when we stood up our portal because now it's available to anybody in the agency. A couple of things that we've done to promote the program within the agency itself is we do an annual GIS day. We have a We're in the World contest where we use satellite imagery of 10 interesting but obscure locations on the planet, and we have a contest to see who can come up with them. As far as where that's taken us is we will have scientists from various parts of the agency with light bulbs going off and getting ideas, and they will contact us and they'll say, hey, what do you think about this? Or can, can you do this? Can your system do X, Y, and Z? And we'll work with them to get the system to do X, Y, and Z. Can you give me some examples of some of these places that are interesting but obscure? Well, we always put like one thing in there that's like a gimme. And this year it was National Stadium. We even left the curly W on the mound. Some people got it wrong. Here's a good example, which nobody got. In Gaithersburg, Maryland, there is an observatory next to, I believe it's Gaithersburg High School, that was put there by the predecessor of NOAA and NIST. And they have these observatories at the same latitude, and that's how they were able to measure the wobble of the earth. A lot of people don't know it's there. It's basically a dog park, but they still have the original structure. We took an overhead view of that, a satellite image of that, and put it out there. Nobody was able to get that one. So from what you're seeing, it sounds like what you're describing here is is an example of the agency and your program office kind of breaking down these silos between the folks who are working on this data and making sure that, it, as you said, with this portal, uh, accessible to the people who need to look at it. Exactly. And we, we've been able to do a lot with story maps for not only post-response historical documentation, but even you know while we have an event going on, we usually set up a story map for hurricane season, and we constantly update it so that if somebody has a question – and they don't want to read a long situation report that's in text form with a couple of graphics, they can actually go to the portal and they can see where's the current path. It's more timely and more up-to-date. The minute you publish a situation report, it's outdated because, you know, it's a timestamp as of 5 p.m. on Tuesday, and things happen overnight. They get in in the morning. They can actually – we're pulling live feeds from other partner agencies. Changing gears here a little bit, I had heard about an interesting use case of what you guys do, particularly with – inaugural balls, ensuring the the food safety there. Can you go into a little bit more detail of your involvement there? 
In the case of the inauguration, obviously the Secret Service is the lead agency, and then they basically set up a team with their partner agencies. We're responsible for the food safety at the different balls, and the Secret Service will actually tell us the locations that are of more significant interest because a dignitary could be showing up. Obviously, when President Obama went into office, the Illinois inaugural ball was on the high end of the list because he was from the state of Illinois. So what we will do is we'll work with our our field resources. We have field emergency coordinators. They will work with the D.C. Department of Health, and they will do training, and they will make sure that everybody in these locations are completely trained. They know about food safety. They know about food preparation, temperature control, things like that. Then when they actually have the ball, we'll have somebody there that kind of monitors things to make sure that everything's okay. And it even goes beyond inaugural balls, G8 Summit. I mean, we had people there. Anything of national or international significance that that happens. Wayne Gorski is Director of Program Operations and Coordination at FDA's Office of Emergency Management, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.